The Doctor and Romana arrive on the planet Atrios, looking for the final piece of the key to time. They find the planet is at war with a neighbouring planet called Xeros, and the Doctor soon discovers that manipulating the war is a sinister entity calling himself the Shadow. Can the Doctor and Romana stop the war and find out just who the Shadow is working for? This is the Armageddon Factor. Welcome to Regenerated. Yes, I hear you. Who are you? I am the Shadow. Your adversary, shall we say. It is not important. You come in quest of a key. Yes. The key to time, as it is called. Yes. You are in possession of certain elements of that key. No. I warn you, Doctor, if you lie, the pain will increase. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Regenerate Minus Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful wife, Becky. Hi. And this week, we have Season 16's finale, the final episode of the Key to Time story arc, The Armageddon Factor. About so, time. I'm not going to ask you what you thought of it, because every time I do, it's always, well, it's all right, or it was boring, or could have been better. So I think we'll just go straight into it because this episode is always, because it's seen in finale, it's always a little bit longer because then we go back through the serials and sort of rate them and refresh our memories to what they were, if they were good or not, whatever. But this time I think we'll do it as kind of like, we've got a little bit more because it's a bit of a season arc. But anyway, so uh, no real news, only that basically the Blu-ray box set of season two has a release date of the 10th of December, so just before Christmas. Uh, that's in the UK, anyway. So, um, Armageddon Factor um, was... Well, it uh, weren't no Armageddon. Well, the Armageddon Factor, which we will get into, is probably... Well, the Armageddon, the film, was actually a good film. And mm, bit, this... It's a bit far-fetched, which is... Ridiculous. But anyway, anyway, logistical side. So, 20th of January to 24th of February, 79. Six episodes. This is the very last six-episode serial we have i did read that, uh, i think dreamland i think it's called with david tennant it's like an animated version is a sixer which they said this is the last one until that but i don't really class that as as, as in the run of doctor who to be fair because it wasn't released on telly i think it was just released on a dvd or whatever and um this one was written by bob baker and dave martin and they're kind of like old school now so they've done the claws of axos the mutants the three doctors the Soltaran experiment the hand of fear the invisible enemy underworld and now the armageddon factor and they both do them together and this one was directed by michael hayes again and he is responsible for um doing the androids of terror 
I think the last was it last week's one. Yeah. Andrew's terror. Or no, it was two weeks no. ago, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right, because Power of Crawl was last week. That's right. Um so in the poll, I will say what it come into. It come in at two hundred and four at two hundred and forty one. So finishing off this with uh, the synopsis and then we'll deep dive into it. The final segment of the key to time is at the heart of a devastating war between neighbouring planets Atreus and Zeos. The fourth Doctor discovers that a sinister entity is manipulating events and the cost of obtaining the final segment may be more personal than he imagined. So, <sighs> let's go through it because this one is quite um, in-depth. And I think, to be fair, I will... The plot on the TARDIS wiki is quite uh, short for each episode so it might be worth just going through each plot as it is so part one sees the doctor and romana obviously there's easy to uh this time to sort of inject sentences mary tam's last episode serial as romana um we might as well say now obviously she didn't want to be a damsel in distress but to be fair I don't think she has been that much of a damsel in distress. There's like one one or two times when she actually has been. Yes, there is this bit in this serial where she's locked in a sort of, uh, I don't know, a cell, what you want to call it, where she's like being electrified or whatever you want to call it, with uh, cheap, cheap uh, special effect electricity. Yeah, somewhat. But the Doctor was in that as well, so not really. She's kind of in the same boat as what he was. Um, but yeah, she just didn't want to be the damsel in distress anymore. And I'm, I have actually read, because I said in the previous serial, I, I, think, I thought this was the time when she must have thought, I've, I've had enough. Actually, apparently it's this one where she thought, that's it, I'm out. So I don't think she, I don't think the character Romana is, there's no disjustice done to her in this one. I don't well, she's only in six serials. Well, yeah, but the character of Romana will live on, which basically it's the same as the doctor she is a time lord she can regenerate so it's a little bit of a spoiler for the next episode she obviously regenerates into romana 2 as i think she's more recognized as now i don't know i would just call her romana but like the doctor is always the doctor he's not doctor 1 doctor 2 doctor 3 but anyway that'd be quite funny and we actually get to see um the next Romana in this serial, actually, because she is in it. So they obviously liked how she acted and performed the role. So they thought, well, we'll bring you back as Romana. We'll find a way to do it. And obviously that's what they did. So they're obviously on the uh, the hunt for that last, se- uh, that last segment of the key to time. As we know, this thing has like power over all... Is it space and time? It kind of does. It is kind yeah. of space and time because it actually is used in this serial and it kind of affects time yeah i suppose more than space i would think but anyway they've got the five obviously the white guardian has uh, tasked the doctor to find all six pieces but to beware of that black guardian well spoiler alert for everyone the black guardian kind of appears that's all i'll say kind of appears would you say that the black guardian is a bit of a letdown becky yeah, a little bit. He's been teased for the first episode and in the middle, and we kind of forgot about him either side. 
and you kind of knew that the Black Guardian was going to come back heavily or at least have some sort of influence in this serial straight away because that's all they kept mentioning. That's all the Doctor kept mentioning was that we've got the Black Guardian on the tail. Didn't really mention it in, like, say, the Pirate Planet or uh, the Stone. There was a little bit of the Stones of Blood. But, you know, for the most part, the Black Guardian's really been in the background lurking. And yeah. we're only really reminded that it, he's there or she's there. I think we now can surmise it's a he. A he is there um, because the characters mention them. Apart from that, we forget. Mm. And I think actually we will just mention it because while we're on the subject of it, we might as well mention it. So basically there is the overall villain of the piece, which is called The Shadow, um, who's a servant of the Black Guardian, a bit like the Doctor, how he's a servant of the White Guardian. Uh, and the Shadow is, to be fair, quite clever, I would say. I wouldn't say really a servant, not a more contractor, but there you go. Well, yes, yes. He's obviously been tasked to find... Well, outsourced, yeah. Yeah, he's been tasked to find the six pieces, just like the Doctor have. So, first and foremost, the Guardians... They're very lazy. They don't want to do the donkey work themselves. They'll get people to do it for them. Well, I told you, wherever dog and bark yourself. Well, that is kind of what they do. Um, so the, uh, the shadow is tasked to find all six paces. But he's, again, he's a bit like the Guardian, really, because he's kind of like, well, why do I need to find all of them? I'll just find one piece at the very end and let the Doctor get all other five pieces. So that's kind of what he did. Mm. So he finds, he kind of finds the six piece. And then, obviously, the Doctor's got the other five. And then the very end is that the Black Guardian decides to appear as the White Guardian to try and fool the Doctor into giving him the key to time. The Doctor doesn't really fall for this because, obviously, with great power came great responsibility, to quote Spider-Man. Um, and the Black Guardian, in the guise of the White Guardian, basically wants all the power. And that's how he sort of gives himself up a little bit and the Doctor figures it out. And so the Doctor... His idea is to basically then just... Well, I thought the Doctor figured it out because he had a disregard for you and um, ah, mortal right. life. Yeah, that as well. And Obviously, we're going, we're going to go reverse this week by the looks of it. As we always do in Regenerator, it seems we go not in order. So we're going reverse this week. So we'll go from the end to the beginning. Um, so the sixth piece is actually a person this time. It is Princess Ast uh, Astria, isn't it? Astria. Astra. Astra. There you go. Uh, Princess so no, Astor, played by uh, Layla Ward, who is the next Romana, basically. Um, and obviously Tom Baker's future wife at this point as well. Um, mm, lucky him. So, well, yeah, punching above his weight a little bit there, wasn't he? <laughs> so, mm. must have been his eccentric personality or something like that. Or maybe she's just sure a sucker for his curly hair. Incredibly nice guy. Or maybe she's just yeah. a sucker for his bushy curly hair. I think, well, maybe, maybe that is what it done. It was just a flick of the hair, and well, it was she that was, sort she of was time. In love, you know, it was that time, you know. But anyway, she is the sixth piece, and the Black Guardian obviously doesn't really care that the sacrifice was there for the piece, and that's how he figures it out. That's right. Um, so the doctor I then. I think you'd look weird with that kind of hair, though. Oh, I wouldn't sell curly hair, no. No, I don't think you'd suit like long curly hair or even long hair at all. A bit like you, Becky. You wouldn't. You wouldn't uh, suit like a big, massive Brian May curly afro, would you? 
um, excuse me, I think when I had my hair curled for my 30th birthday, you kept singing songs from Annie at me because of my ginger hair. Right, yeah. Was that a problem with the dye? No, it was a problem worse, with the dye. Well, no, it wasn't a problem with the dye. You know full well my hair is copper permanently. But the point is, because of the hair colour and the fact of, you know, it was supposed to mimic a perm... Seems it was an 80s party. You know, the fact, you know, it was really annoying because I hate Annie. That was one musical I can't stand. If I remember back to it, Becky, you looked very nice. Yeah, well, not that you said it. Well, I'm saying it now. It's all that matters, Becky. No. But anyway, so his... Put me off ever doing it again. So the Doctor, in the end, decides that... He is going to basically distribute the key to time again across across the universe in different spaces and times again. A bit like how it was at the beginning. And that in turn means that Astra can come back and be reunited with her sort of um, admirer, would you call him? I don't really know. Is it Mirak, isn't it? Is it? Kind of, is it um, I don't want to admire her. Apparently, they will live. Mirak, I think his name is. Uh, probably butchering it. Um, see, I the thing is with names is when 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 we watch it and they're saying the names, I get it. I can get it then because they're saying it. But then when we when we turn it off and well, we maybe away, you should write it when you're writing it down. Maybe you should write it. But yeah, phonetically. Yes. Anyway, so he distributes it, basically making the or do you, whole... Or do you need to basically remember to write that phonetically? Maybe, yes. So, <laughs> anyway. Because so of that, you can spell it. He basically it. renders the whole journey and the whole story arc of season 16 basically null and void because we go back can to Can you spell phonetically? Um, it's got a P in there somewhere. Can you? P-H-O-N... That's about it. Anyway, that's what we have Google for and, you know, dictionaries to spell these words that I can't spell. You mean you have a computer to do spell check for you? And that, yes. Um, whereas actually some of us actually did English at school. Mm, yes. And then the very end, obviously, is then the Doctor installs a randomizer on the TARDIS console, which is a bit strange because I don't think he ever really knows where he's going, um, basically to ensure that neither he nor the Black Guardian knows where he'll end up next, so he can't find him. And I'm guessing it's can't find him and get the information out of him for the key to time pieces. I'm guessing mm. that's what it is, because not being funny, if he's randomly distributed them through space and time, it doesn't matter if the Black Guardian catches up with him, he's never going to get that information out of him. Well, yeah, because he won't know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, overall, I am a little bit let, let down by the Black Guardian. I'll say that now before we get into the, more of the story element of it. Because we were teased it for like five serials. This was the big payoff. And to be fair, we didn't really see a Black Guardian. We saw a kind of sort of affected. And what I mean by affected, I mean like special affected. Uh, Black Guardian, we didn't really see his face very much. And he wasn't really a presence. It was sort of like a... Sort of negative. I think where... Like a photo negative. Yeah. And I think what they should have done, really, in hindsight, which is a brilliant thing, uh, and we all, we're all all good when we're the writers, um, I would have had the Shadow be the Guardian. Because it would have been... It would have made more sense. 
Yeah, he was, think, it was a creepy dude. I did think that the shadow was going to be the guardian. Um, but no, he wasn't just a servant or a sort of... Oh no, that dude was creepy. But he also looked a bit like the crispy master that we've seen in the past as well. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Anyway, so, again, story is very similar to what we have seen in Doctor Who before. We have said this before. It is one of the letdowns for all of Doctor Who's um, ne- uh, positives, should I say? Not all its negatives. All its positives, you know, great acting in certain places, great, um, you know, Tom Baker's role, brilliant, you know, companions playing brilliant. They have a good cast of people at the time, you know, and all this and the other. Sometimes the stories do feel a bit similar, and we have said this recently over the last probably i don't know a couple of seasons now that they do mm. feel a bit really similar this one does as well like i said there is this war that's going on between the two planets uh atro a, a- trios or atrios atrios and xeros and they're basically in this long running war uh, which we find out actually it was a, uh, the shadow sort of manipulating it all along um but on atrios there is basically a princess which we've said about Princess Astra, and there's also somebody called the Marshal, who's basically he's more in control of the war than what she is, and he basically possesses all the power. The princess kind of wants to sort of vie for peace against the Xenons. I think that's how they say that Xenons. Whereas the Marshal just wants more war because he's being manipulated with this piece that's in his neck or attached to his neck, which is. Being con- he's being controlled by the shadow, trying to yeah, that yeah, he managed to remove it so easily. I know. Well, it's, what happens if he just like knocked Knocks it off up, or something? Yeah. When he's having a shave. <laughs> you know, they don't think about these things, do you? Anyway, the marshal has sort of a an aide and Sh- uh, Shap, I think his name is Shap, hmm. who to me was very reminiscent of say a Bernard Cribbins kind of character. He was a little bit comedic. He had few hmm. comedic elements to him. And then there's obviously is that Mirax or Mirax? I think I can't. I don't know. How to say mm-hmm. it. He's basically Astra's lover, um, and he is a surgeon. I think he is as well. Yeah. And um, also, what I thought was really really funny as well is we've had K Nine being played very very straight by John John Leeson, the voice acting. This time, has a bit more personality. Bit strange, mm. like in one episode, uh, I think it's episode five or six, um, where the doctor uh, we'll get to this in a minute, so I will explain it. But the doctor gets shrunken down, he gets put into uh, he basically goes into K9 as a sort of decoy, and he sort of says, I wonder if that's where they got the idea of honey, I shrunk the kids. Maybe, maybe. Well, they've already done this sort of plot before, haven't they? In the planet of the giants, didn't they? They had like everything big, yeah, true. So they kind of already teased this sort of. Thing. Um, and he goes into K9. They go into this uh, this room where the um, the doctor says to K9, "You need to pretend. You need to do really good acting." And there's like a moment where K9's like says the line he's got to say. Not very convincing. Like, yeah, like kind of rehearsal. It's kind of they add a bit more personality to um, uh, to K9. It's mm. a bit strange because we never had that. And you would have thought I would have thought. Maybe they would have done that before when we got Mark, because Canine's Mark Two, isn't it? Mm. So you would have thought maybe they could have done that earlier, so that changes the kind. Well, oh, no, because character. maybe they've done it so we couldn't lie. Maybe, maybe. Um, so the, the acting TARDIS... is technically a form of like, um, 
deception. Mm. So maybe, maybe it's a bit like like Crichton at a Red Dwarf. <laughs> tell a lie. Yeah. See, um, so they land the TARDIS. They turn. Uh, they land the TARDIS on uh, Atrios, and basically it gets stolen by the shadow. There's this transmat pad in a secret radiated room with a sliding door, which is seems to be like um, the main mode of transport, shall we say, for this serial, because everyone seems to use it. And it basically takes them to Xeros. First off, it takes them to Xeros, which is... It doesn't really look like a planet to me. They're saying it's a planet, but it doesn't really look like a planet. It's more of a base on a planet uh, with like a, a sandy-covered floor, which is a bit strange. Um, mm. And they've got this like supercomputer called is it Metalist or something like that. Metalist. Yeah, and that's basically controlling the Xenon's side of the war, but it's already sort of got to the point where it's convinced itself the war is over. Yeah. It, it, that I find the supercomputer bit... No, very... it's not convinced itself. It was programmed. Yeah, I just think that bit is a bit... I don't know. It's really strange. Far-fetched. Yeah, I just, I, I just thought that that's a bit... Mm. So it says uh, the the doctor reveals that there are no Xenons on Xenos and they ask for information on the Princess Astra, but they find that any information concerning her is inaccessible. This is from the computer. Well, yeah, mainly because there isn't no one there. Um, yes. So... And obviously the princess isn't on the planet. Mm, yes. So the marshal at this point, he has decided to attack Xeros to try and sort of end it and he's leading this assault on his own. He's gone in a spaceship, and he's preparing to launch a missile at, to destroy the planet. But the Doctor sort of says, he reveals that because that the, men, the mentalist thinks that the war is over, it can't counteract the Marshal's incoming attack, because it's not like really in attack mode, and it rather would just accept the defeat. But it will self-destruct and destroy both Xeros and Atros, which is a concept known as the Armageddon Factor, and that's where the name comes from. So the Doctor basically tries to dismantle the supercomputer, and he tells Mirak and Shap, who have also used the, the matter, transmatter, to return to Atros to try and contact Marshall, because the Doctor says, you try and get, get to him to stop him firing, and we'll try and sort this computer out. But on their way, basically, to the transmat, Astra appears in like in a form because at this point she's been kidnapped by the shadow, been hypnotized, and obviously she, they want to use her influence on Mirax basically. And she um, won't hypnotize that well, she couldn't cluck quite a chicken. No, so anyway. Anyway, so Mirak gets to the point where he's like sort of falling, which I thought was really really weird. She sort of appears to him in form. He then goes towards her. She's not there. So he goes through her and then falls down like a shaft, I'm guessing. Um, the Doctor then basically, as he's sort of tinkering away with the super, uh, super computer, he accidentally triggers the primary alert function and then the computer begins becomes sort of mindless and tries to destroy its own control centre. Well, no, it's a self-destruct sequence. So, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's right. Ten second count, wasn't it? I think. Um, I think what they meant didn't was that... Didn't you say three minutes? I, sw I swear you said three minutes, but it's a 10-second No, it's a 10-second count, okay. but the problem is, is that, you know, I can understand where it's coming from, because 
you know, what would you rather? Someone basically, you know, try and nick the computer and nick all the secrets and everything or blow it up, you know? Mm. Yes. So, basically, the Doctor becomes incredibly desperate, obviously, to stop this attack. So, he uses a five uh, segments of the key to time plus an artificial six segment, because obviously they haven't got it, um, to generate a temporary time loop around the Marshal ship and the computer. So he stops the sort of uh, the count self destruct and he stops the general firing. So they do do a sequence where it's obviously repeated. Where yeah, the but they would surely uh, they'd have been able to do thing. that to do anything else with only part of the segment. What's that? Well, then surely if they can do it at five segments, they'd have been able to do it before with four or with three or something like that. Mm. Well, yeah, but or at least half of them. Is it because it's only like five and five can generate just, isn't it? Five generates just enough, but they need a temporary one to just give yeah, it enough juice. Maybe. But the trouble is it's very unstable because it's not the key, it's not the key to time segment. So mm. through the course of the story, that loop gets bigger and bigger. So it starts off as a three second loop, then it goes to four, five, six. So the countdown goes longer and longer. So it starts off going 10, 9, 8, 10, 9, 7, 10, 9, 6, doesn't it? So... I think I think that's a good premise. I really do like when they do these sort of thing with time loops because this is the kind of thing that they should be doing in Doctor Who. It's all about time, so they should be manipulating time a little well, bit. Well, yeah, because the thing is, I think a lot of the time, especially with a lot of new Who, the only time you see them like doing anything time related is where they go to a different time, mm. like yeah. historically, or you know. But then not a lot of it, you know, obviously they go to like places in space and things like that. Yeah. So it's actually nice to see sort of even something like being tried to be prevented because a lot of the time with Doctor Who, they're like, oh, you can't interfere, you can't interfere, this, that and the other. And so for actually them to put a stop to something by using a time loop, is pretty good for once. Yeah, yeah, I do think. I think it's an interesting concept. Also, this is the first serial where they have kind of done this because they did that in um, the Pirate Planet as well. They did. They, the, she was in a, the the Queen or whatever. She was in like a state of flux, wasn't she? Where she mm. was suspended in the last seconds of her life. A time dam, I think he called that. So it's quite interesting that they keep the sort of. They're now sort of going into this sort of premise where they are maybe going to use manipulation of time a little bit more. Hopefully, going through to the into the future but uh mirax i'm not going to mention him anymore to be honest he does get saved he ends up going back with Sh- uh, shrap to try and basically contact the marshal what well, sorry shap is it shap is it right i would call him shat but he's we'll move on from that joke um <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the Doctor ends up going on what they call the third planet, which is the Shadows uh, Lair, shall we say, where he bumps into an old classmate, Drax, who's a Time Lord. And it's a little bit... I found it was a very bit, a little bit awkward. The guy reminded me of Bulldog out of Frasier. But I a know. British version of him. I know. Well, Brixton, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and I thought that was quite... I don't know if that's an in-joke or that's meant to be like a sort of wink-nudge to quote Monty Python a little bit with him because he does say about like, oh, what's happened about your your accent? Where did you get that from? And it's kind of like a wink-nudge thing because he's obviously got this thick Cockney Brixton accent mm. and he's not talking like... Yeah. You know, he's not talking like a, a Gallifreyan. 
so they kind of allude to it and whereas you know drax and i know what you mean there it's like this morning i go accused of talking posh wow and because i don't swear a lot well the person that was saying that must have been very common becky oh yeah it was my stepdad (laughs) (laughs) so basically all sipping tea with the finger up from now on then well, I don't raised. really like to swear. It's no. just you know, to be honest, I. Well, that's one thing we don't I, do and regenerated that often is not not very. We don't. Well, no, I just don't Which really I like. like try to keep it clean. You know, I don't like to swear very often, and to be honest, you can make a valid point without swearing in any sort of environment or any situation. Yeah, I, think, I think our this podcast is a example of that because we don't really swear very much on it. You so know, so and then across. obviously with the one of the children effing and Jeffing, you know, mm. it just means even less that, you know, but yes. to be fair, I was brought up knowing the English dictionary, none of this oh um going around calling everyone bro and speaking like a total chav. So it's called slang, Becky. It, it moves with the times, you know. There yeah, was, but I was there never wasn't such one thing for... as the word awesome for a very long time. Um I was n- I was never one for talking in slang at all mm. when I was growing up. Because basically I weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to talk like that because it was like you're English, you talk in English. Mm. Yeah. You don't talk like you're basically We all talk like a chav. Tom Baker does. With his <laughs> sort of theatrical background. Well no. I just proper. talk I just Prim talk and proper, innit? Prim and proper. <laughs> well yeah, with a Norfolk accent, yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Drax About then, as uh, as I was saying, about as prim and proper as you can get with a Norfolk accent. Yeah. So Drax yeah. informs him basically he was locked up in... Uh, a but a lot of people have tormented me over the fact of my accent. So I do tend to sound more posh sometimes, which is not intentional. It's just, you know, because yeah. people have a habit of winding me so, up about it. So actually, before I go into it, the wiki, I don't know if, it, if this is correct. I'll have to see if I missed this or not. But it says Drax informed the doctor that he was locked up in a Brixton prison. Yeah, he was. Because of a fault with his TARDIS. Yeah. Okay, that is right then. Um, Because he got stuck there. Basically, then Drax was employed with a a threat of death, and even though he's forced to build the mentalist computer, so he obviously knows all a bit back background so obviously the shadow threatens him and got him to build it and then the doctor sort of persuades Drax to assist him and then they basically removed the control device from uh, K9 while uh, Drax then repairs his dimensional circuits to make this sort of gun and this is how they get shrunken down Um, there's like a point where like uh, the doctor gets uh, captured for a shrink right it's not very small is it well no not really Anyway, the Doctor then gets captured uh, by the Shadow and he is basically forced to go back to the TARDIS to get the other five segments of the key to time. This is when uh, Drax then enters with that dimensional circuit gun and he shrinks the Doctor down. There's a little bit of like, they both shrink each other down or Drax shrinks the Doctor and shrinks himself. And then basically the Doctor said, oh, you've hit the wrong person. But they decide basically that they need to sort of provide sort of a distraction because... uh, the Doctor has left his TARDIS door open, which allows the Shadow just to walk in and take the key itself. Bit of a rookie mistake, that, from the Doctor. But then, when you've got other people involved, it really the Doctor's fault. Hmm. Anyway, 
He collects the key. Uh, Would have been time. easier. It's probably shrunk, shrinking the other guy down and standing on him. Well, that's what I think the doctor. Really, the doctor obviously not stand on him, but the doctor I think wanted Drax to shrink the guard instead of him, and it's sort of back, you know, uh, sort of backfired on him a little bit there. But you know, anyway, he the shadow then gets the the segment of the segments places on table, only for then, like I say, Astra to reveal that she basically is that last segment. The doctor then and Drax use K nine. Uh, to sneak into the shadows layer and sort of saying about earlier about canine has to pretend to be under the shadows control uh, because earlier on in the serial canine got as always they always get captured got captured and then reprogrammed to be um, the shadows well it wasn't really programmed dark. was it it was just that stupid like control thing well yeah I suppose yeah but it is kind of reprogramming because it's a robotic dog not really because if it was reprogramming then you know yeah. Anyway, so the very end of the serial is that um, basically that canine then reports to the shadow that the Doctor and Drax have been eliminated, and then the shadow sort of basks in his victory. Uh, but then he goes to compose the whole key to time, and he ignores Romana's warning that it will break the time loop surrounding the Marshal's ship. And then the Doctor and Drax return to normal size and take the key, and they all escape while using like. A little bit of a distraction. So they then go back to the, obviously to the TARDIS where obviously, like I said earlier, about the White Guard and the Black Guard and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's the end of the serial. So like I say, that in a in a way, as a sixer, we have I have really, really, really ripped into sixers before. And this one I didn't think was too bad. For the very no, last one No, it didn't one, drag. For the very last one, I did actually think it was fairly good. Um for what it was as an ending to the key to time i think it is a little bit of a letdown i would say for the arc because of the black guardian it was hyped up so much and then it was just pulled out the rug was pulled out uh i read somewhere that the person who played the white guardian had conflicts a scheduling conflict so couldn't actually appear in the serial which again i think lets it down because you needed that to kind of yeah. full circle it and to bring it sort of back round to what the actual premise of the whole thing was which is the White Guardian sending the Doctor and Romana to get this key to time. And it didn't really feel like a complete story in the end, I think, because of that. Mm. So, yeah, I did feel that was a little bit of a letdown. Um, what did you think, Becky? That's all right, I suppose. That's right, I suppose. That's why I said at the beginning not to bother. Well, we'll see if Mark Campbell thought it was all right, I suppose. So his verdict was, after a promising start, the story soon falters. There's far too much padding. Characters come and go as they please, and there is no clear structure to the narrative. A hugely disappointing finale. A three out of ten. I think it's a bit harsh, to be honest, a three out of ten. Mm. I don't think it's as bad as a three. I really don't. I think it's probably still like teetering in, in the mid-regions of a five. Yeah, the cre- I, I get what you say about characters coming and going and the, and the transmat. They kind of step step on it and they're in like Xeros or the third planet or whatever, you know. I understand that. But the, as for the narrative, I don't see why he can sort of say that about the narrative. I think the mm. narrative is very clear. There is a overall villain that's manipulating the situation with this war. All the while, the shadow wants the key to time and he's manipulating that as well. Anyway, 
it is what it is. I thought it was a quite good ending to mm. the story, except for that last little bit with the Black Guardian. So that is the end of season 16, Becky. So again, that's another season done from Tom Baker. We're going through them quickly now, and we've only got two seasons left. But let's go Have through. Have we seriously gone through 16 seasons in two years? Yeah. Freaking hell. So... We go back to the very beginning, the Reboss Operation, which starts the whole thing. I didn't think it was as good as what Mark Campbell said it was. It was 10 out of 10. I didn't think it was that ba- uh, that great, to be honest. I thought the... So where do you think we're going to be come March next year? Well, I think we'll be on to Peter Davison by then. Well, obviously. Probably halfway through. Anyway, let's just quickly wrap up this and we'll, we'll talk about the future as well, uh, because there's a little bit to sort of discuss on the podcast for you and the listeners becky but reboss operation yeah it sets up it sets up the story but apart from that doesn't really go anywhere the pipe planet probably one of my favorite serials of this series um i just thought it was really good it looked different it was written by douglas adams as well um and i just thought it had everything it was really good this is the one that should have really started it all off anyway the stones of blood which was quite cool about like the stonehenge type thing um and this is probably my, maybe my second, second favourite, I suppose, I would say. Then we had the Androids of Tara, Tara Androids, Androids of Tara, um, which again, I thought was an okay one. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit, it was done a little bit differently because obviously Romana found the key to time piece really quickly. Mm. And then we had the story. It wasn't the fact that we had a story, then they find the key to time piece at the very end, which I think majority of them. They did do it. The new, this one, the, the Armageddon Factor, it kind of wasn't. It was there all the time, which I really liked. I will say that. But they mm. really did uh, hammer in the narrative that we were after the last segment. And that that was the main focal point of this serial. I did actually look like that about the Armageddon Factor. They read last week's episode, which is the Paracroll, which again was an average story it was it wasn't good it wasn't bad it was just an average story and then this week's the armageddon factor which i thought was um a reasonably good six-parter apart from the very end with the guardian but like i said hindsight is a brilliant thing we would all change things so out of that whole lot let's go becky which one would you say is your favorite which one did you think they did the best stones of blood stones of blood what would you say is your least favorite the rest of them the rest of them. What, every single one? Every single one was absolutely terrible. Well, um, apart from today's, which was a little bit better than the rest, I suppose. Oh, okay, I think that's probably the best we're going to get out of Becky for a critique. Um, so that brings us then to the other thing we need to discuss, which is Mary Tam is Romana. This is her last serial. She had a very, very short stay as a companion. It sort of took me back to maybe like the first or second doctor where they've really kind of had camp companions come and go really quickly yeah um how do you think she did in the end i don't know you really don't know you watched well, it I you watched you watched her um, in what yeah was it, like? six serials but to well, be fair six serials it was uh what was it 12 16 20 26 episodes yeah but to be fair you know she it's not my favorite companion I think I think you yeah, yeah I think you're kind of right. She's not my favourite. I think she rung to it 
what she could bring She's probably to got it. a better dress sense than most. Well, the outfits were quite good. I think there wasn't really... Well, this one, this Armageddon Factor uh, serial kind of did, in a way, give her a low-cut top. It was what it was. Most sorry at the time, she's covered up, which is very different to, say, Leela. Um, I think she did what she did, and I, I think... I think she did what she had to do, and I think mm. she did develop the character. Uh, she was a character that was on the same kind of wavelength as the Doctor, which is quite good to see. We didn't get that sort of. She does. She still keeps the sort of um, the companion role, which is a uh, well. What is it, Doctor? Being the voice of us, basically the list, uh, the the, mm. the watcher. You know, we're the ones who's supposed to ask the questions, and that's what the companion does for us. So, what is this planet? What is this bit? Why is it doing that? You know, when is it? You know, that's the questions that she asked and she did play. Dams in distress that she said the she Who, what, didn't... where, why and how? Yeah, basically, yes. Uh, a dams in distress, which is what she said she didn't want to be. Was she? I don't think she really was, to be fair, mm. when you look at the grand scheme of things. Yes, there was a couple of times when she was a dams in distress, which unfortunately made her leave the role. Uh, it's sad what it is. But we'll see that Layla Ward is a completely different Romana to Mary Tam's Romana. So we can see like how another actress can take the same character and change it. It's going to be quite interesting. Unfortunately, uh, Layla Ward's not in it for very long either. She's only in it for two or one and a bit seasons because obviously we're winding down Tom mm. Baker now. He hasn't got very, very long to go. Overall, season 16, it was it's, it's different, isn't it? It was something different. We've never had a story arc like that. And on the grand scheme of things, I suppose it did work. Yeah, uh, it had its highs, it had its lows, but I think in the way it did work, the only letdown it was was that very last bit where they obviously wrote the beginning with the White Guardian. Unfortunately, couldn't get him to come back because of the scheduling conflict, so it was kind of dead in the water from that point where you can't have that full circle. But yeah, it kind of semi works. We'll see what happens. I think there is another like uh, three serial story arc in season eighteen. I want to say. So we'll see how they do that one, if that's any different, being half the format. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was an okay season. So season 17. So let's go through them quickly before we go and wrap up. Destiny of the Daleks. Again, we've got the Daleks come back. I don't think it was in the Daleks since Genesis, Becky. So it's been so, quite yeah. a while since we've seen them. City of Death, the creature from the pit. Nightmare of Eden and the Horns of Nimmon. And there is, at the very end of that, Sharda. But I don't think I'm going to review Sharda because it never was in the original run, sadly. It just got cancelled, I think. and didn't. They did bits of it, but it never got really off the ground. But there's a reason why I'm not doing it. Um, it's because normally at this point, wouldn't we? But we'd have a break because it's the end yep. of the season. We have a week or two week break just to sort of uh, reset the batteries you know, get on with a bit of life and, you know, not have to edit or record or watch or something like that. But this time, I've done the I've done the maths, Becky. I have actually done some calculations. Are you impressed? No. Oh, okay. I'll leave that there then and move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've done the calculations, basically. So there's five, five ser serials of season 17. If we now do one without a break, it will take us to the week before Christmas. And I think Christmas falls on a Sunday, doesn't it? Well, seeing as it was six weeks yesterday, yeah. No, seven weeks yesterday. Right, okay. 
So it falls on a Sunday. So um, no, it doesn't. No, I'm looking at November. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yes, it falls on a Sunday. So I don't really want to release. Uh, I know it falls on a Sunday because my well, the the sure, day maybe. my birthday falls is always the same day Christmas falls. Okay. Just yeah. like you know the kids' birthday, if one of them falls on a certain day, the other one falls on a certain day. I don't know why, yeah. but they do. Okay. And mine and Christmas has always been the same. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm not going to release a podcast on Sunday uh, on Christmas because what well, you know we'll all be having Christmas. So you know there may be some people out there who wants to listen to a podcast on Christmas, but for the most part, I think people won't. So basically, we've got five weeks now until we have a two to three week break for Christmas, which we had last year. I think it worked really well. I think we had a month's break last year, which I think was really really good. So mm. we might be able to do that again. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, yeah, but that's because your parents were here. Yeah, basically, and they're here this year. So again, yeah. it's sort of that takes time away from doing this. So we've got to kind of hammer it in. So our plan, or my plan, Becky goes along with my plan. Um, is to basically Becky's forced to go along with the plan. Yeah. So the plan is to just keep going to just just hammer them in. So we're going to now go straight into season seventeen and go through and try and get them five episodes done. Hopefully there won't be any bumps in the road. Sometimes, you know, COVID, illness, um, arguments. Arguments can stop the podcast. I think you know, we've had so. more chance of arguments stopping podcasts than we have had illness. Welcome to married life. <laughs> so, hopefully, you know, not, if there is break, if, if I, you know, if I'm ill, chances are we end up doing it. Yeah. Well, we Even, try to do you it. know. We do try to get it I done. think the only time we haven't is when I've had COVID. Yeah. Or if we've had an argument. But luckily, I've had my booster and I felt not too bad on that. So we've got that one over with. I think last year I had a booster and I felt rotten. So we didn't end up doing the podcast. I think that was another thing that didn't really happen. But anyway, failing that, if there is a bit of a break, I'll, we'll have to try and really knuckle down to try mm. and catch it up. So there may be two episodes in one week so we'll have to see but anyway thank you for everyone for listening hit us up all on social medias that are in the description and let us know what you thought of one the armageddon factor as a whole on its own and the two uh the key to time season 16 as a story does it really work or not and what we'll do is we'll catch you next time with uh destiny of the daleks so i shall say goodbye and say goodbye becky Bye-bye. Bye-bye.